0: It's called and-
1: Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. My co-host is Patricia Negron, or Trish. She's my partner in crime and taking down the global pedophile networks. Our special guest today is Kevin Annette, the man behind the global movement to end child trafficking and child torture and to de-establish the genocidal churches and governments. He is an award-winning filmmaker and author who works with victims of church violence and genocide all over the world. Kevin co-founded the International Tribunal into Crimes of Church and State and the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels. The Common Law Court has brought two cases against the Vatican, the Crown of England, and Canada and its churches for crimes of genocide, child sacrifice, and trafficking, and they have successfully convicted all of the defendants for crimes against humanity. Using hard evidence in the Common Law Courts, they forced Pope Benedict and four other top Vatican officials guilty of child trafficking to resign from their offices during 2013 in his two books unrelenting and murder by decree kevin traces the origin of genocide in canada and globally and he found all roads lead back to the vatican kevin has a new book out now titled at the mouth of a cannon conquest and cubidity on canada's west coast and maybe he can tell us about his book today Kevin's latest video report on YouTube was on his censored talk for a debate with a top Vatican official that was canceled at the last minute due to pressure from the Church. The topic for that debate was, is there any good in the Roman Catholic Church? I listened to that video yesterday, and maybe Kevin can give us a highlight for this talk today on the show. There was also a recent report on the Catholic Church's global organization of nuns denouncing the culture of silence and secrecy surrounding the sexual abuse in the Church and is urging sisters who have been abused to report the crimes to police and their superiors. But the report points out that there have also been cases of sexual abuse committed by women against other women within the congregations. So Kevin can probably tell us if he thinks this is a good move by the organization of nuns or if it's just a charade to distract us from looking at the part of the nuns in the child sex trafficking networks over many decades. So let's bring Kevin on now and get the latest details on the numerous Vatican scandals, occurring right now, and also the latest details on the events that have taken place over the past several months. So welcome to the show, Trish and Kevin.
0: Hi, Evie. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes. Hi, Evelyn. Trish, you there?
2: I am.
0: Okay.
1: So, Kevin, where do you want to start? (laughs) Well, you mentioned my new book. Why
0: don't we start there? Um, You want to pick one out? It's called at The Mouth of a Cannon because what it does is it looks at Really who, uh, naming the names, who and what was responsible for the massive killing off of so many people on the West Coast, not just Native people, but others. And um, I call it the octopus, the three-armed thing of church, state, and big money. Um, at the mouth of a cannon was a quote of an Indian agent in the early 20th century who described that the only way the Indians surrendered the land was at the mouth of a cannon, which is kind of funny for Canadians, because we always think it was the bad, bad Americans who, you know, slaughtered their Indians. And, in fact, the same kind of slaughter was going up in Canada. It was just more well-hidden. You know, the Royal Navy would show up and bombard all the coastal Indian villages to clear them out before settlement. And that stuff has been remarkably concealed in Canada. And uh, so I reveal that in my book. You can get it at Amazon, um, or just go to our site, itccs.org. Um also, the, the other thing, or another thing you mentioned, was um, this talk I, I was supposed to give at Oxford University, which was really quite funny. Um, I was going to debate one of the top uh, Vatican officials about the whole question of, is there any good in the Catholic Church? Which, I uh, it's really funny the way they framed the question, because it's like uh, the assumption is, well, there isn't any good. Is there any we can look for and find? And... Um, I, I was on the verge of going there and two weeks before I was told that uh, I wasn't uh, it was withdrawn the invitation was withdrawn and they never gave a reason and um, and so you know that continually happens all the time whenever things are booked for me they get cancelled at the last minute but one of the right. main points I was going to make there was that um, the uh, the thing about talking about the Catholic Church like people invariably say oh yeah well there's lots of crime and it's the most murderous institution in human history, it's true, but look at all the charitable works they do. And I addressed that issue head-on. I looked at uh, the one country where the Catholic Church publishes financial records. It's America. Um, and uh, in America, in 2013, the uh, Catholic Church released this audit of themselves, how much they had made and how much went for charity. $13.4 billion was made in that one year alone. And that's in only one country where only about 15% of the Catholics live, $13.5 billion. And of that, only 1.1% of it went to charity, if you can believe it. But half of that well, Kevin, came from government Kevin, grants, so in um, fact, less than you, you, half of the Your voice keeps
1: fading out. every five or ten seconds, it'll fade out. Went to we'll charity from the church I don't know, I don't so, know what's, what's going on, but the they mess with us every time we it's have you big on this show. we have you
0: so but anyway, that's... I don't know if you, if you can stuff. do anything and, about and that. People I, can see I don't that know, at Kevin. itccs.org and murderbydecree.com.
2: Uh, Kevin, why, you've told us now um, So about your book and some of the events and what you're finding you know, in terms of these cancellations that happened last minute for events where the Church is being openly confronted for... It's history of criminality, and uh, I wonder if you might talk a little bit about what you see in terms of trends over the last maybe 10 years or so and where things are changing in terms of the work that you're doing and the opportunities that you're seeing available for people like me and others who want to try and participate but don't really know how and aren't necessarily active members of the Catholic Church any longer but may have been at one time, for example?
0: Okay, sure, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's like anything where you're persistent over time and you have a lot of hard evidence and you keep putting it out there. You know, it doesn't matter how small you are, the system has to respond. It's it's one of the points I make in... in um, one of the common law training manuals I've written for people, trying to encourage them that uh, we do have the power of truth on our side and when we're standing on the truth. And just putting it out there, it means the system has to adapt in some way. It has to address the issue. And, uh, but here's how they do it. They try to control the issue. They redefine what you brought out in ways that are not going to cost them money, is not going to bring any of the big boys down it's going to They, if need be, they'll throw uh, lower-level officials to the crowd for prosecution to bring the heat off themselves. So, for example, a perfect example of that is within five years of us bringing this stuff out in in Canada, we had held public protests, tribunals about the the killing and disappearance of all these Native children. They announced, uh, the Canadian government announced what they called an Aboriginal Healing Fund, and under the guise of wanting to, quote, help survivors of these residential schools, in fact, it was an enormous way to gag people because it said, if you're a survivor, you can get money, but you have to sign off all legal, comp- uh, all legal uh, claims against the churches that did this to you, and um, you can never talk about your case again. And this healing money tended to be directed towards... Natives who are already friendly with the government, not people who are talking about genocide and mass graves and that, but, you know, the the controlled, compliant uh, Indians. And so it was used politically as we used to gag people, just like lawsuits do. They tend to, any settlement, there's invariably a gag order that goes along with it. So um, that's how the system, one way that the system responds. But a positive thing that it does is it, it legitimates the issue, like, 20 years ago, when I began talking about this, you even mentioned that Native children were killed, and they just thought you were not a conspiracy theorist, whatever. No one would believe it. Now it's it's fairly common discourse in academic circles, in in some media, uh, that yes, children died, and some were even killed. So, you know, we, you can force things, you can get admissions, but um, it, it, it's, a, it's a constantly, uh, a constant battle. You're Constantly moving against the stream um, of, of continued cover-up and denial, because these things are ongoing. They're not just crimes that happened years ago. They're ongoing crimes. So naturally, they want to conceal it. Um, in terms of the Catholic Church, it's now they're definitely their backs are to the wall. We've had one pope resign, you know, Ratzinger in 2013. We helped force that. Uh, the present one, Bergoglio, Pope Francis. His he, it looks like he's there's cardinals pressuring him to step down. Because of his connection to these ninth circle satanic cults, which is being proven, started as far back as Argentina when he was working with the military hunter there, and all of this is coming out. More people are coming forward. So, the more we talk about this stuff, the more it creates a climate for uh, dialogue which is for you know people coming forward and telling the truth. It encourages witnesses to come forward because they know they're going to be safer talking about it now. So, all of those are good things, but it you know, it's like uh, John Adams, the uh, second U.S. president, said the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, and that's very much our situation. We have to always be vigilant. Children are still being raped and trafficked and killed all the time. The Catholic Church is getting away with it because of their policies which allow them to do it. and The government won't intervene when it has to do with that, so we, the citizens, have to be the ones to take action on this. And I, I you know, so in other words, there's, there's both good and bad in, in the situation, but it's up to us to keep it going.
2: One of the things that Evelyn pointed out was this group of nuns that has come forward. Uh, I wondered if you have an opinion on that.
0: You'll have to tell me a little bit more about it because I actually haven't followed that. I haven't seen that. I've been on the last month, and I haven't followed a lot of that in the media, but um, it. it me, tell me a little bit of the details and first.
2: Supposedly make a change when, in the end, nothing, it won't affect anything. It will only give the appearance of doing so and it, um, whether or not it's genuine. Yeah,
0: are they, are they, I don't know enough about the case, but the what are the nuns actually doing? What are they asking for?
2: Oh, you know, I'm not I'm not that familiar with it. So,
0: um
2: I'll I'll have to I'll have to ask Evelyn. But but well. to your point about, you know, how the dialogue is changing and remaining vigilant, um you know, th- this whole process that we keep saying play out as you've pointed out so many times where there are these massive disclosures, um acknowledgement of all these horrible crimes going on. For example, we just saw in Pennsylvania this thousand-plus-page report by police detailing a child grooming, pornography, and sex trafficking ring run by the priest on church property. And yet, no one goes to jail, and Cardinal, I think, Whirl was the only one to resign as a result. And even then, it was, you know, that that's hardly punishment. So one of the things Evelyn had mentioned is the idea of insisting that these priests, who have already been identified as having uh, assaulted children— be registered as sex offenders as any civilian would be. Are you aware of anything like that going on? Or I know you've issued those, um, are they warrants or notices where certain individuals may not enter areas where they've been known to commit crimes against children?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's up to people to do that themselves, make the citizen arrest, ban these priests, uh, uh, publish their names and photos all over the place so people know, because the government, the courts, and the police have shown time again that they are colluding with these crimes. It's not like they're just turning a blind eye. The government themselves have been colluding in these crimes from the very beginning, whether it's child trafficking, genocide. Um, you know they're they 're big partners in in the the investments of the Vatican Bank in the arms industry, big pharma gmos you know they're they 're big long time business partners so they 're not going to you know crap on each other <laughs> they 're going to protect each other right. all the time and that 's why this stuff happens it 's an institutional crime institutionalized crime so it 's hard for people to get their mind around that because we think well, what can we do as you know as mere citizens? That has to do with our sense of ourselves, how we've been taught to think of ourselves as dependent, as slaves, basically, of the system. And we realize now this issue puts it in a stark clarity that if we don't act, our children are continue continue to be killed and trafficked with the open compliance and agreement of the system. You know, when the cardinals resign, the reason they do that is to prevent prosecution. They get them out of the limelight, they put them on pension somewhere, and then a year later they're back in the job. It's to protect them. It's it's no remedial action at all. And uh, I, I find it amazing that so many people will stand by and let this happen when it's the lives of children. I mean, one child's life is worth more than all of the money in the Catholic Church. I, I You know, I'm, so I don't get why people have difficulty... I think it shows how deeply people are conditioned to fear authority and fear religious authority. They've been brainwashed to think this church has something to do with God, and if it did, it wouldn't be doing these crimes, and yet people can't use that common sense to say, well, we better do something, and the police are letting this happen.
2: Right. You know, as someone who grew up in the Catholic Church, I can very much attest to that idea of, uh, yeah. you know, feeling codependent, Dysfunctional relationship where you know you're you're really browbeaten into this belief that your only salvation is through that church and you are doomed to hell otherwise, so I you know and I see it that again, as you point out in the face of overwhelming evidence uh, of these crimes taking place it's the you know disenfranchisement of the individual that really seems to be holding us back, and culturally speaking, even beyond the the Church itself, because you'd think non-Catholics would be, you know, tearing down the doors of these um, churches. Speaking of which, you had previously mentioned in Chile, for example, where, yet again, you know, a massive cover-up of uh, rampant child rape and abuse was occurring and the citizens of chile responded in a very different way than those yeah. of us in the united states for example have responded uh, do you have any updates on that
0: oh yeah um... and in fact i don't want to sound all gloom and doom in fact the people are voting with their feet church attendance is way down all over the world i remember uh, when i went into dublin a few months ago I, I, a friend of mine took me outside the biggest Catholic cathedral in Dublin, uh, Pro Cathedral. And normally, there's like the, traditionally there'd be 500 or more people there on a Sunday. We counted 18 going in, if you can believe it. Wow! And that's in Ireland, just like Chile, considered a very loyal Catholic nation. When Bergoglio, Pope Francis, came to Ireland um, in the fall, there was they expected 2 million people. They got barely. 800, maybe 80 to 85,000. I mean, it's like less than 10% of what they figured. And there were over 10,000 people in the streets protesting him. And in Chile, um, the Mapuche Indians who've had their lands continually stolen, uh, they burned down 28 Catholic churches because that's where the children were being taken. Um, they knew it. They attacked directly. When came to Santiago to speak, he got booed. He got uh, mobbed in his palace. There were people in the outside the Papal Nuncio Palace preventing him from getting out. So, I would say even in the Catholic Church, people are not only leaving, but they're they're getting really outraged. And uh, I see that all over. But of course, with billions of dollars at the disposal, the Catholic Church can buy all the media coverage and politicians they like. And so it's it's that kind of David and Goliath battle, and, and yet, in a way, we're Goliath. We have the numbers. We have the people. It's just a matter of mobilizing them.
2: Right, right. So are you aware of... Um, for You had mentioned $13 billion in 2013 that the Catholic Church collected here in the United States, and I was wondering if you're aware of how that compares to, I mean, 2013... Was five years ago, but um, are you aware of how that compares to you know thirty years ago? I would imagine that trend is down, but that's still a lot of money thirteen billion.
0: Well, don't forget it's it's not just from collection plates. Uh, a lot of the money comes from their corporate investments and what are called financial concordats. A concordat is a treaty between the Vatican and governments around the world, which is absurd, because the Vatican is not a government. It's just a church. It's a religious organization. Under international law, it doesn't have any of the qualifications of a nation, and yet they like to pretend that it is one. Um, and these concordats or agreements, secret agreements, and a financial concordat, they have these, these agreements signed with over 100 governments, and including America, where a certain percentage of taxpayers' money is funded automatically into the Vatican Bank. So without your knowledge, you're helping to uh, commit a crime. Every taxpayer in America commits a crime by paying taxes because that money is going towards a convicted transnational criminal body, the Catholic Church, which launders money for the mob, deals with inhuman and drug trafficking. Uh, you know, it, So that's what your government is making you do, fund this criminal body. Um, that's one of the ways the money's coming, in, but a lot of it's secret. Don't forget the Vatican Bank is unaudited. It's a secret society. Nobody even knows who the directors are. So you know, it's like the same old old absurdity, right?
2: So, in your mind, though, and it seems you know, we, this is the issue with so many of these corrupt organizations, where you know our federal government, for example, has uh, entered into these agreements, these financial agreements, over which. We have no say, but, but the drop off in attendance and popular support, though, sends a large enough message to delegitimize these organizations from, from what you're saying. And that makes sense. But I think, um, for a lot of people, it feels as though that money is an insurmountable hurdle to overcome since we can't just shut it off.
0: Well, there's a, there's a simple way people can shut it off, just stop putting money in the collection plate. And uh, they feel out on the ground. You know, when we first began to protest these, these crimes in Vancouver in the late 90s, first thing we did is we went outside these churches, and including the, the main Catholic cathedral in Vancouver, and we said to people, we handed out flyers flyer saying, when you give money to that criminal body, you're committing a crime, and you're subject to arrest under international law. Uh, we came back after about a month, and the priest came storming out and yelled at us, saying, we've lost over 50 members because of you people. And he was so upset. And I said, you're more upset over that than the fact that you murdered thousands of children. And he went away huff, of course, but, uh, you know, the cops were standing by. They didn't do anything. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it shows that the thing they're really worried about is when people drop away and... Uh, a lot more is going on than we realize. We don't see it. And it's like any dictator. They have to keep everyone so afraid that they don't see the truth. But um, there's an enormous fog created around that institution because of that, because they're the most criminal. And um, and yet, you know, we, by our own actions, we can start peeling that away. For one thing, we can say, look, if we were living under the rule of law in America, or any country, these churches would not be tax-exempt, because to under American tax law... If you want to be tax-exempt as a church, you have to put all of your revenue, like not some, but all of it, towards either the advancement of religion or practicing of charity. That's the only way you can avoid paying taxes. We've already shown the Catholic Church only puts 1% of its money towards charity, yet it's still getting tax exemptions. Right? It, right. How does that work unless the government is colluding in that crime?
2: Right. Right. So is this you you mentioned the flyer that you used um, when you picketed those churches? Is that something available on your website for others to use if they oh, yeah. wanted to yeah. uh,
0: We have all that available itccs.org. the best way to read uh, get copies more recent copies is write to me uh, thecommonland at gmail dot com uh, One of the things uh, we 've just put out is uh, an action, uh, it, it's called a pledge of non cooperation with cr- tr- uh, criminal churches. And not only does it urge people not to put money in collection plate, but it has a pledge that people can sign and give to the priest or minister or whoever. And what the pledge says is I, so and so, acting in good conscience, do hereby pledge to disassociate myself from the whatever church and to deny it all funding. I'm morally and legally compelled to do so because of this church's genocidal murder at many thousands of children and his continual cover-up of these deaths crimes that i refuse to subsidize this church has betrayed and violated the innocent of the laws of god and humanity and thereby, thereby has forfeited its rights and legitimacy and then you put your signature to that and date it i'm telling you when these end up in the hands of the church they freak out because there goes the two things they care about their money and their public image and that's the only that's their weak, <laughs> their achilles heel are those two things so Yeah, we can give copies of this, uh, and also we're having other actions, uh, you know, ramping up again in January that we can talk about.
2: That would be great. I think for a lot of people, as you said, that it's generally accepted at this point that all these crimes have been committed and that there is no indication that anything has been done to prevent them from continuing and then the question is you know helping helping individuals feel empowered in ways that um, are are easily accessible to them, because you know we're talking about in, in the US anyway, a nation of people who have been conditioned into helplessness, and so it really is a process that we as a nation have to learn from the very uh, rudimentary aspects, and um, (laughs) that's the only way, our only hope, I think, is, you know, to sort of relearn how we see ourselves as, you know, agents of the world, and um, stuff like that, and being able to have somebody walk us through it a few times uh I think it's going to be what it know, will that's pay what
0: I do uh a time. lot of what I do on the road when I'm traveling around is hold workshops or small meetings with people and they're always in the the ones or the twos or the threes small groups at first and they don't have confidence in themselves their own ability and we sit down and work over we, we pick an issue and it isn't just about child abuse it could be on any issue uh in the community and we hold what are called common law training workshops where we teach people about the common law how to convene a your own jury uh, and your own court, uh, how your local community sheriff can be an important part of that because he's accountable to the community, not the government, um, and how to give people that confidence. And it takes a while, but knowledge is the first weapon we have. And once you just give some basic facts to people, you know they they realize okay, well something's got to be done. And you find a few who are willing to take action. You organize them, and they lead the rest. So. That's kind of a practical way we find once we start that process, it, it has a momentum all of its own. So, you know, I, I see that all over. And in fact, having been all over Europe and North America doing this stuff, I see people waking up all over. You can't see it, but when you're on the ground talking to them, there's a big shift happening. And uh, we just have to, you know, take take uh, solace in that because it's the it's result of all of this stuff coming out.
2: Right. Do you, and so in terms of some of these other cases, are, um, are you aware of any developments in, for example, Ireland with the, is it Chum? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Chum. Where T-U-A-M. the mass
2: grave of those infants yep. are that they've been trying to get exhumed and examined?
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing because of the Chum, uh, it's spelled T U A M, but in Gaelic it's pronounced Chum. Uh, the Chumas Grave. It was uh, for folks who don't know. It was a, a cistern, at, uh, uh, like an underground uh, chamber, where eight hundred the remains of eight hundred babies and small children were found uh, a number of years ago. It was in a camp, uh, what's called the Bonsacour Orphanage, a Catholic Church uh, run orphanage for children. These newborns and young children were not only uh, put in there; they died, but According to the Guard, that's the Irish police, they did an investigation which was then covered up by the church and the government. The initial investigation, because I spoke to some of the officers who did it, they said they found decapitated skeletons all over. They found bones that were cut up and burned. These are signs of ritual killing. And Sean Brady, the cardinal for all of Ireland, stepped in quick, tried to cover it up, bought off witnesses. We named that on the radio show, and he resigned. He was one of the four top cardinals who resigned after we forced Ratzinger out. Pope Benedict in 2013, all of this stuff was coming out then. So then the government does what they did in Canada: they announce an investigation where the church and the government investigate themselves because the government allowed this stuff to go on in Ireland. And they release a whitewash report. Uh, they go in and 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 try to bury the site. But in response, they didn't count on the Irish people. Um, they there was outrage. There are thousands of people protesting. And in fact, I mentioned when Bergoglio came to Ireland this fall. There were protesters. A lot of those protesters were object- were in the streets, demanding a real, not just investigation of the of the Chum mass grave, but prosecution of those responsible. And um, that made some of the news. But again, a lot of the stuff was often blanked out in the corporate media. Uh, but the, this was going on, so it shows you—you know—there's the continual cover-up by the criminals. But at the same time, the people are just not taking it, and. Like I say, we went into pro Cathedral. There was eighteen people there on Sunday, and I think that's a sign of the shift happening
2: right um, and and so in the course of doing your work where um, I know that you can't reveal a lot of details, but where are you in the process that you're um, forging ahead with in terms of these workshops and um, and building awareness, as well as the tribunals and um, arrest warrants.
0: I'm sorry, you said where? In what sense?
2: So, in in terms of as the process unfolds, as you go forward with these efforts, um, are I would imagine over time, as awareness builds, you you approach things a little differently or um, I I don't know if you see this as sort of unfolding in phases and where, where you are in the process now, you know, what you hope to see more of, you know, and, and are, you mentioned lower uh, attendance at the churches and, um, you know, these police reports and awareness among officials.
0: Right. Okay. So, I mean, it depends on how you see the problem in the first place, I think. I mean, these crimes are not just dropping out of the sky and they're not the result of random sick people. It's because of a whole history uh, of of conquest, genocide, um, you know, and it's still at work, that system. So it's a matter of waking people up to the fact that uh, we have to reclaim... Our own gover- We have to be self-governing. Now, there are very few countries in the world that have ever tried self-governance. America is probably the only one in history where it was written into the Constitution that the people govern themselves. They don't have authority over them. They don't have kings. They don't have popes. They don't have anybody over them. They govern themselves. And a perfect example of that is um, I've worked with people in Pennsylvania who are trying to stop the fracking there. And the people in Jones County in central Pennsylvania, And now there's only 700 of them, but they said, look, the Pennsylvania courts and state government are helping this PGE, uh, Pennsylvania General Energy Company, frack and destroy our land. We don't want it, so we're declaring self-governance. They set up what's called a Home Rule Charter, and those 700 people in Jones County have said, we're self-governing. We're not going to follow the agreement of the court. We're going to stop this fracking ourselves. And they created local laws allowing them to do it, so they declared independence. And that's, you only get that in America. People don't even dare to do that, even sit, dare to even think in those terms, most other countries in the world, because they're taught that they're serfs, that they're, they're slaves, they're, they're, like they call them in, in Canada, subjects of the crown. No, we're not. We're self-governing sovereign men and women. That's what John Adams said in 1797. He, he said, America is unique because it's a, so, it's a country of, Sovereign men and women with no authority over them but their own contracts and their own conscience. Right? Now, that's, right. if we really took that to heart, these problems would disappear tomorrow because we would stop it. We'd stop these crimes in our tracks. It's, it, we're the sleeping giant, and we have to find ways to awaken people. That takes different forms. In America, it's a, it's a matter of recovering that memory. In a place like Canada, we've never had it. I mean, we tried to have our revolution in 1837, it got defeated and the crown and the church established their dictatorship. But um, we have to generate this idea of the common law, people taking back that self-governance. That's the main theme of that people want to hear these days, when I do workshops. They want to say, okay, how do we do it in our community? One of the first ways is you get the town council to say, okay, we're going to keep tax money right here. In Canada, most of the tax money goes to offshore companies, to the crown, which is really the Bank of England uh, in the Cayman Islands, all their offshore accounts. We're saying, okay, in Canada, we're keeping the tax money in the local community, no money to the feds because it's helping overseas corporate interests. And, you know, we've got some town councils already debating that. So this is a really exciting process, but it's always got to be from the grassroots, and that's where our strength lies, right? So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of what came to mind. Yes,
2: that that very much does answer the question, and it really does – sort of make it feel within reach and and you know you point out that the u.s has always been self-governing you know you know i think there's total amnesia <laughs> in today's yeah. culture about that i mean there's not even any cellular memory there so it seems we need we really do need to completely rediscover that and yeah. um you know i i've We've talked before about trying to plan something, and I really would love to just to. Well, Daniel, the time. I'll be coming thing, right
0: across the comments you know, so we can definitely talk off the air about that. So that, you know,
2: um, it can. Be and I saw an, an interesting process statistic that the just other day.
0: It said, three, well, the New York Times claimed that three quarters of Americans surveyed didn't know that the U.S. Constitution is the basis of all law in government. They didn't know that. Now, if you don't know that, wow. it means you're a serf. It means you don't realize that in the very wording of the Constitution, it says Congress shall enact no law that violates these fundamental freedoms. It says you cannot abrogate the right of free speech and assembly and, and all of that from the people, because if you do, you're a criminal body. And, you know, the U.S. government has done that a lot, yet people don't yeah. realize that... Um, Because three-quarters of them don't realize where lawfulness is in America. It's in the Constitution, and those are inalienable rights, like Tom Jefferson said. Nobody can take them from you, right? Um, Now, I think that's been dumbed down for the last century, and there's been a lot of good stuff written about this, how the Rockefeller Foundation started funding education in the early 20th century, and it destroyed any—you know how people used to be taught civics classes in school? that's systematically taken out and replaced with technical trades. So Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller said, I don't want a workforce that thinks. I want a workforce that works. So they deliberately dumbed down Americans in the public school system, right? And these things are being weeded out. We have to teach our children these things ourselves. That's why homeschooling, you know, community control of education is so important for us to teach our children these, you know, the beauty and the promise of America, Right. Right.
2: Yeah, I you know, I I can certainly attest to the you know, the impact of civics being dropped. I it's incredible how little my children's generation knows about all yep. of that just through and by design, as you've mentioned. It's not because it was accidental. It was very much by design and yep. you know, the assumption by everyone today is that they they have to work for someone and right. um, that whole notion is in direct opposition to the idea of individual sovereignty. So,
0: well, back um, then, of course, most of the family were farmers. We were self-reliant, you know. That's why everyone carried yep. guns. you needed to hunt. I mean, it's it, – but now the whole country is being polarized between Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives – and when you look at the big money behind both parties, there's no real choice. It, 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 people got to be reunited on a new basis now, you know, not politics, right. not religion, but fundamental, you know, natural law, and, along, and which is very political and very sorry. spiritual. But it's on our terms. It's not on the system's terms. If you know what I mean.
2: Uh, uh, you uh, you mentioned the Democrat and Republican parties, and you know, interestingly, as you along the lines of. Uh, individuals walking away from the Catholic Church, now in the U.S., half of all registered voters are declared independent. And that number is probably even actually much larger, um, except for the requirements in certain states that you have to be registered with a party in order to vote in that primary. Otherwise, you don't get to vote at all. Yeah. So... um, there are definitely signs of that happening, like people recognizing that they need to regain it and are doing so in very small ways that don't yet have uh, a visible impact. But, you know, what you're describing in the kinds of workshops that you're doing really, really are the kinds of things that will uh, empower us as a, as a global community, to finally um, do something. You know, I'm watching these these uh, protests in France, for example, and, you know, wow, they know how to protest. Oh, yeah. And we
0: they're
2: have great. a lot to learn. I mean, imagine in that <laughs> they, Every time they have a protest in France, they burn the down a
0: McDonald's. France restaurant. is smaller than because the kinda It's United. a symbol to them of yet, you know, corporate the corruption and foreign domination. So,
2: <laughs> you know, once we get our footing, I think... We really will really be able to make some incredible headway.
0: Well, it's happening, and, and uh, that's the thing. People have got to take hope in what's happening, and uh, you know, it's like uh, John Adams again. He said the revolution was har- was won first in the hearts and minds of the people before the sh- first shot was ever fired at Lexington and Concord. And it's true. It was an idea germinating in people, and finally it burst forth in in a revolution. Right. Um, and that's what we need. There's this, this new revolution happening in America, and I see it everywhere. And um, But there's also a lot of despair, because with access to the Internet, people see a lot of the bad stuff, but not much of the alternative, right?
2: Right. That is true. And, and, and you know, with all of the censorship, you know, the uh, U.S.-based social media platforms are very... You know, you're bombarded by all this oh, yeah. messaging by the plutocrats in order to upset, and anger, and um, yeah. depress. <laughs> I mean, they really—you yeah. can notice the difference between yeah. the U.S.-based platforms and, you know, say Russia, for example. It's, it's a completely different sensibility, and you can you can see the very determined efforts of those in charge. Trying to shut down dissent, and the really beautiful part of that, though, which I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's noticed this, is that when every time one of these um, groups or agencies acts in order to further suppress dissent, it backfires horrendously on them and just exposes it even more glaringly. So um that i i agree that there're definitely signs out there that we're making real progress and um you, you know it's always just so hard because you just never know how long that process is going to take but all you can do is keep showing up and and I, you know as you said it's 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 one person at a time one church one community at a time and um
0: Eventually we'll get there. Yep. And, you know, the power in our local communities, we're always taught to think in terms of global and national. Um, it's You can't have real self-governance beyond the local level. I mean, we have to see the power and the importance of our own communities. And, um, you know, going back getting entrenched again on the land, the things that really matter that, that I think we all yearn for, and yet we often look to somebody else to start it when it's we who have to start it.
2: Right. Right. Well, your your work is so important on so many levels, not just with respect to the Church itself, but also in terms of just, again, that sense that, you know, we have to take back control of all, of our families' well-being and, and protect their interests, because, you know, no government body or religious institution is ever going to do that. And they, we should not be... As individuals, turning over our well-being and um, our children to government agencies—I mean, that right. you know—justifies the, the laws of nature <laughs> in terms of how to effectively keep your uh, your gene pool alive. So. Yeah. Um I you know, well, that's right. In really, fact,
0: most of the I, abuse I'm that happens to children in is in foster care homes or government run right? agencies. It's
2: You know, adopting much more a new technology will really revolutionize the way that we live and the way that we we govern ourselves and or well, we'll we'll find ways to govern ourselves again <laughs> that we've lost.
0: So Right.
2: What anything new coming up that we should be looking for, Kevin?
0: Yeah, on January 15th, there's a new campaign starting around the world about the Catholic Church and within America and Canada about our, you know, common law republic self-governance movement. And I'm going to be on the road then, um, speaking all over the place, doing workshops, public actions, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I would urge people to go to Amazon.com, put my name in Kevin Annett, A-N-N-E-T-T, You'll see all my ten most recent books. I've written ten books in the last three years, which kind of sums up all of this, including practical how-to manuals. And um, you can order the books there and get them from me. Write to me, thecommonland at gmail.com. Um, and we can go into more detail that. And, Trish, if you write to me, we'll talk off the air about connecting up and, you know, making this happen.
2: That would be great, Kevin. Oh, since I have another minute, I wanted to ask you um, a more esoteric question about um, the history of the Catholic Church, which is um, when when the Jesuits came into being, you, they are I understand that they're not part of the cat they're not Catholics. They're this army for the Vatican. Do you know the origins of, like, the original Jesuits, and how that group came into being by any chance?
0: Yeah. It was directly as a result of the Catholic Church uh, attacking the Reformation. It was formed in 1543, within a generation after Martin Luther had declared independence from Rome. And Europe was uh, breaking away from, from the Church of Rome all over the place, so... They set up the Jesuits. It was set up by a Spanish soldier, Conquistador, uh, called Ignatius Loyola. And um, whenever you see, like, Loyola University, that's Jesuit money behind it. Um, And it was set up to, first of all, they wanted to kill Queen Elizabeth in England, because she was offering, like, a sanctuary. To Protestants all over Europe who were being killed by the Church, my own family, the Amets, we were from France originally. We had to flee. We were almost all wiped out. They killed about a million Huguenots, which were French Protestants. We all had to flee to England, the Holland, that area. And they wanted uh, the Jesuits set up a secret assassination bureau, which is still in place. It's probably the one that killed Pope John Paul the First in 1978, because he was investigating the Vatican Bank and its mob ties. But um, The Jesuits are a secret army, Uh, but the way they work was uh, they would subvert kings and governments. And uh, they used the Jesuit model of inner subversion as a way to destroy Native people all over the world. Uh, Yeah, I go into that in my book at the mouth of a canon, how this church model happened. So they're the secret army. They're the big financial arm as well. They're involved like Citibank of America that's owned by the Um, Jesuits. They operate through deception and guile. And the no accident of the present pope is one. He was put in to do major damage control and make the church seem all nice and happy now. Um, so they're a secret society very much, but they're like an army, and, uh, an army to wipe out. Their, their oath says they have the right to destroy and kill and torture to death anybody who's an enemy of Rome. So they're very much, you know, the pope's personal army, but at the same time... Um, like the Templars, they're becoming a power under themselves. And so there's power struggles going on in Rome between them and and others. But it's really all the same beast. I mean, it's like talking about good and bad Nazis, right?
2: Right. It seems like they're just these, you know, there's the British Empire that broke from the Roman Empire, which is now the Vatican Empire, and then we've got the Ottoman Empire. (laughs) It seems like they're just mafia families that are... You know, have in fighting and people who are trying to, you know, climb internally, you know, to all of that intrigue as well. But ultimately they're organized crime syndicates and the Jesuits, the Jesuits seem to have been played a critical role in that over the course of history and, um, still very clearly wield incredible influence where they should not.
0: Well, and that's, they're also, the most powerful people are always the most frightened. And they're, because they know they're always worried about somebody taking their power away. And uh, the first thing that does that is people waking up and seeing what they are, pulling back the mask. And that's a lot of what we do. We pull back the mask and we try to arm people with means of taking back our own power. So I guess it starts there. Right,
2: right. Well, it's fascinating. You mentioned your family goes back, you know, um, with the Huguenots. I guess it turns out my family goes back is tied to the Vatican and and that whole Reformation process. We were on the Spanish side, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But um, but uh, it, it, it's it's interesting, you know, today to see even. The younger generations seem to really be questioning all of that and the role of religion in their lives and, yeah. and how it's been weaponized against all of us in such a way that uh it, it's entirely dysfunctional. So and there's, there's also that happening, which is certainly makes the whole process of informing informing others easier. Because I know, for example, my older family members, while they they do recognize, like the whole um, satanic aspect of the the Catholic mass. You know, the body is eating the body of Christ and drinking his blood and all of that. They they just cannot. I, I think it's beyond their ability to connect that with the crimes of the the Catholic Church as well. And so, you know, among among the older generation, it seems a, a far more difficult a battle to wage where, you know, with the, the younger ones, it's more straightforward, I feel.
0: Yeah, well, definitely. Um, young people are really a good main resource for this stuff because they don't have the fear and uncertainties that older folks do often. But, um, yeah, it, it's happening. Right. You know, I'm very confident what lies ahead.
2: Well, I just want to thank you before the music starts. It'll probably come on any second now. But um really and commend you for your work over all these years. That's the great,
0: We'll the, talk soon. Thank you course. so much.
2: I mean, it, it seems to be paying off from where I it sit. Is. And I can't thank you so enough for persisting in the face of all the odds. And we, we will all certainly benefit. If we haven't already, I mean... I think just becoming aware and that sense of empowerment alone is worth its weight in gold. So thank you, Kevin.
0: Thank you, Trish. And uh, drop me a line. We'll talk soon. Thank you.
2: Sounds good. Okay.
0: darling